0: Well, while we're doing weird stuff, let me just fall in suit. The book of Numbers chapter 32. I'm going to be honest with you, preacher. I was sitting there wrestling with this subject tonight because I thought, Lord, I'm sitting here looking over a crowd of people and most of them has been saved since before I was born. But I know if I don't mind the Lord, Dennis will whip me. Somebody say amen. 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 The book of Numbers chapter number 32 verse number 23. But if ye will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Preacher, would you pray for us tonight? Father, I thank you for the privilege of God to be here, and I thank you, Lord God, for the people of God that's gathered. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to lift up our voice and call upon you. God help us all to hear what your servant has to say to us. May it find a lodging place in our heart, Father, that we might not sin against thee. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. Now, if you know anything about the book of Numbers, you realize this is an unusual setting of the story here. Moses is getting ready to go up on top of a mountain to look across Jordan into Canaan land. And there on top of a mountain, God is going to let Moses die. Of course, you know the story. Moses is getting ready to cross Jordan, but he's forbidden from crossing into Canaan land. If you know anything about the Bible, you know that was because on a second arrival to a rock in Mirabekedish in the wilderness, he was supposed to speak to the rock the second time, but instead he was mad and he lost his temper and he didn't believe God and he smote the rock the second time. But he took Moses on top of the mountain and let him view the land of milk and honey. And there Moses would die and a young man named Joshua would would take up his mantle and cross over Jordan with the children of Israel and they would take the land. But they into a problem preacher on the eastern shore of Jordan the tribes of Reuben and Gad they were content to dwell on the east side of Jordan because they had cattle and the land there was good for the cattle and they said we don't want to cross over Jordan we're content on this side we don't want to go all the way with God and Moses said i want you to know one thing If you think you're going to sit over here and put your feet up and drink lemonade and sit under the shade tree while your brethren are over on the other side of Jordan fighting the battle and taking the land of Canaan, I just want you to know you're crazy. That's not going to happen. Moses said, if you're content to dwell here, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. You leave your wife and your children and you cross over Jordan with the rest of them and you help fight the battle. After the battle's won, then you can cross back over and dwell on the eastern shore of Jordan. And that's exactly what they did. But he said in verse 23, Moses has given us not only a statement to those two tribes of Israel that didn't want to go all the way with God, he's given us a doctrinal and biblical truth. Moses said, be sure. If you don't do all that that God has told you to do, if you don't cross over Jordan and fight the battle and then come back, he tells those two tribes of Israel, he said, you've sinned and your sin will find you out. So I want to preach tonight, if I may please, with the help of the Lord, on be sure your sin will find you out. Now by way of introduction, there's three things that I want you to know about sin and I don't want you to ever forget it. Number one, always remember that sin will hunt you. The Bible says that your sin will find you. Isn't it interesting that Moses used that terminology that your sin would find you? That means it's looking for you, right? See, there's one thing about sin that you can't get away from. It's the fact that when you commit it, it's going to hunt you down. And it's going to find you. You might sin in North Carolina and run to South Carolina. But dear friend, the results of your sin will find you no matter where you are. You might join the military. You might change houses. You might even change your name. But the fact of the matter is this this sir you cannot get away from the fact that there's sin in your life and you're not right with god i say to you sin will hunt you second of all i want you to know that sin will haunt you it'll drive you literally crazy why do you think so many people try to commit suicide every year preacher why is it that we've sold more antidepressants in the last two years than we did in the, in the ten years prior to that? Why is it that so many people are on illicit street drugs to try and get out of their right mind? It's because they're, ha- they're haunted by something that's driving them literally crazy. I say to you, sin will haunt you. Third of all, sin will not only haunt you, it'll not only hunt you, but it'll hinder you. You cannot be right with God and have sin in your life. It's impossible. Now, it's a funny thing to me, preacher, that when you preach on sin, the only things people want to talk about or think about is having sex, laying drunk, and smoking dope. But, dear friend, there might be a sin in your life that nobody knows about but you and God. It might not be an outward sin, it may be an inward sin. And I'm just going to tell you it's a whole lot harder to get people to repent of inward sins than it is to get them to repent of outward sins hey I can see you drinking and I can preach on it and hope to God you'll get it right I can see you doing drugs I can see you running around on your wife But I can't see a nasty attitude, I can't see a critical spirit, I can't see unforgiveness, I can't see that. So it's a whole lot harder to get people to repent of those things. But dear friend, might I remind you, you'll never be what you should be for God until you get that junk out of your life. Isaiah said in chapter 59, he said that your iniquity has separated you from your God. You say, Brother Chris, is sin really that serious? Will sin really hinder me that much? i tell you what David said about it. David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, if I've just got something in my heart, then the Lord will not hear my prayer. Now, I want the Lord to help us to take inventory tonight, Brother Howard. The Bible is clear that your sin will find you out. But here's what I want to preach on. I want to ask you a question. Listen real close. You know I don't preach long, just stay with me. Where are you going to be when your sin finds you? Where is your sin going to find you? See, here's how we think, preacher. We think that just because God hasn't judged us immediately for our sin, that we've got by with it. Can I just tell you on a personal level? How about I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm 30 years old. I'm in my early 30s. And I'm just now reaping the consequences for things I've done in my 20s. Everybody okay? Everybody alright with that? See, we think that God, because God doesn't send a lightning bolt out of heaven and kill us right away, that we've got by with our sin. But just because God doesn't judge you immediately does not mean that you've gotten by with your sin. Hey, God keeps good books, brother. And one day he'll balance them whether you like it, lump it, bump it, or jump it. God will balance the books on sin one day. You say, but preacher, we're all saved here tonight. Hey, preacher, you'd be surprised what goes on in the homes and in the private lives of your church members. So if sin's going to find you, i got a question. Where is it going to find you? Where are you going to be when your sin finds you out? Where are you going to be when that little personal private thing that only you and the Lord knows about catches up to you? Where are you going to be? I want to show you a couple places from the Bible where sin will find you. Number one, I'd like to say that sin will find you in heaviness. What I mean by that is this. And I don't know how it is with you, but when you're saved and you sin, it's an awful feeling until you get that thing right. I mean, you can even try to get saved again, and it won't work, preacher. You'll, you'll still be just as miserable as when you started out. And then you'll, then you'll get really messed up, and you'll start thinking that God won't save you, and that you blasphemed the Holy Ghost, and all you needed to do the whole time was repent of the sin that you had in your life. I tell you, sir, sin will make you heavy. It'll make you miserable. David said in Psalm 51, he said, My sin is ever before me. David said, from the time I get up in the morning to the time I go to sleep at night, God is constantly reminding me of the fact that I'm not right with Him. Sure, there's pleasure in sin. But the Bible says it's for a season. Now, don't let me lose you. I say this all the time. But we've got to stop telling our young people that sin isn't fun. Because we're lying to them. We've got to stop telling our sin that there's we've got to st- stop telling our young people that there's no pleasure in sin because that's not true. Sure there's pleasure in sin, but your Bible says that it's for a season. I liken sin to cotton candy. It's just a little bit of sugar, but it's all blown up out of proportion. What we ought to tell our young people is sure sin's fun for a season. Sure it seems like the going thing. Sure you'll have fun for a little while. But what are you gonna do when the good time's over? What are you going to do when the chickens come home to roost as the old folks used to say? What are you going to do when you can't crawl out of the top of the liquor bottle and you wake up in your own vomit? What are you going to do when those drugs in your pocket end you up in prison? What are you going to do when you fool around with a woman on the job on the side and you go home and there's no wife or no children to welcome you home anymore? Hey, what are you going to do? Hey, it's fun. You'll enjoy it for a little while. But when the good times are over... You're going to find out that all of a sudden, sin ain't funny anymore. It's not fun anymore, Benny. You're going to find out that sin has made your life more miserable than you could ever imagine. I say to you that sin will find you in heaviness. Number two, not only will sin find you in heaviness, but sin will find you hurting. Let me tell you something about sin, sir, and I don't want you to ever forget it. Somebody always gets hurt. Now let me give you something to think about. David had a son named Amnon. Amnon had a half-sister named Tamar. I'm talking about how sin will hurt you. You remember Amnon got to lusting after his own sister so much that he was physically sick. The Bible said he was physically in his body sick. He was so consumed in the sin of lust for his own sister. And you know the story. His friend told him to fake sick uh, so Tamar would come and take care of him. And that's exactly what he did. And when Amnon and Tamnar were alone, he raped her, he violated her body, and he threw her away like yesterday's garbage. Now this is what sin will do for you. The Bible says that after Amnon was done with his sister, the Bible says that he hated her twice as much as he ever loved her. First of all, he never loved her. He lusted after her. Somebody say amen. There's a big difference between lust and love. Somebody help me right there. Boy, isn't that exactly what the world will do for you, sir? Sin will entice you. It will seduce you. But boy, when it latches on to you, it's not going to be what you thought it was. It's going to chew you up. It's going to spit you out. It's going to violate your body. It's going to ruin your testimony. And when sin's done with you, it's going to throw you away like yesterday's garbage. And you're going to find yourself hurting like you never imagined before. Let me remind you something about the devil. He'll show you the good time. He'll show you the party. He'll show you the good looking women, the good looking men, but he won't show you the after result. He'll show you the floozy that you want to fool around with with work, but he won't show you your home being broken up and you never getting to see your children again. He'll show you the good times that you can have sucking on a liquor bottle, but he won't show you the car crashes. He won't show you the empty shells. He won't show you the hungry children, but he'll show you the good times that you're going to have. You go ahead, you live it up, but it's not going to be what you thought it was, sir. When sin is done with you, it's going to chew you up, it's going to spit you out, it's going to throw you away, and you're going to be left hurting. I say to you, sin will leave you hurting. Number three, let me lose half of you right here. Excuse me. May I say to you, third of all, sin will find you in your health. Let me tell you something else about sin. Sin will not only kill you spiritually, but the Bible teaches that sin will kill you physically. The Bible says, Sin's pleasant for a season, but when it's finished, it bringeth forth what? Death. I'm just going to tell you what I believe, preacher. I believe there have been a whole lot of church folk who left this world prematurely because they refused to repent. They refused to get right with God. God would chastise them. God would warn them. God would whoop them. They'd refuse. They'd bow up on God. And the next step was a casket. And they had to meet God ashamed because they wouldn't repent of their sin. You don't think sin will kill you physically? I'll never, I never. I know I've shared this uh, this illustration here before, preacher. But I, I can't get over it. It's been several years. I'll never forget. I heard of a testimony I heard one night in a revival meeting. Young boy walks into church one night during revival. I'm talking clean cut. I mean handsome boy. I, I mean dressed to the nines. Nice nice suit. I mean haircut. And he sat down on the front row. Invitation time came and. The preacher was about to dismiss the service and that young handsome clean cut boy in that nice suit preacher stood up and he said, preacher do you mind if I say a word? He said preacher God's impressed my heart tonight to share just a little bit of my testimony. He said preacher I come from a good home. He said I had a preaching daddy and a praying mama. He said I went to a Christian school all my life. He said I grew up in a great Bible believing church. He said if anybody was going to make it it was going to be me. I had all all that was required for me to make it. I, I mean, I, I, mean I, I, I grew up under the, the cream of the crop of preachers. I, I mean, I, everything was right in my upbringing. He said, Preacher, I was saved when I was 12 years old and I've never gave my mom and daddy a minute's trouble. They never had to worry about me sneaking out the window. They never had to worry about me staying out late. They never had to worry about me going to parties. I never gave them a minute's trouble. But he said when he was 17 years old, a new family came to their church and they had a daughter his age and she wasn't saved. He got to talk, they got to talking after church and she started calling him on the phone and they started to see each other away from church, preacher. He said, my pastor noticed that we had started to see each other and he said, son, are you are getting ready to make a mistake? Son, that girl's loose. She's lost as a goose she's trouble, son you're getting ready to make a mistake and he said and unto God preacher I know you've heard this a thousand times preacher you don't understand how I feel you don't know how I feel about her I know you've heard that, ain't you? Hey, he said, I told my pastor, he said, Preacher, you don't know how I feel. Hey, he said, He said, Preacher, I know what I'm doing. Preacher, I know she's lost, but I can change her. I know you've heard that one too before, ain't you, Preacher? That young man stood in that service on the front row of that church with tears running down his face, and he said it was the very next Saturday night after he had talked to his pastor about that lost girl that he'd been seeing called him at home. And she said that she was at a motel down by the interstate. And that she wanted him to come and be with her. So he got in his car and he started to drive towards the motel. And the whole time God was tugging in his heart. And he was saying, son, don't do it. Son, don't do it. Don't do it, son. It's low, son. It's sin, son. And the whole time he said, I was saying, but God, I want her. God, I love her. God, you don't understand. I want her. And he said, it was like you sucked the spirit of God out of that car in the vacuum cleaner. And it was as if God said, all right, Son. Go ahead. Help yourself. Are you listening to me? I'm talking about sin finding you in your health. He said he met that girl that night and they had their one night stand. And then he said, she's gone. I've not seen her in years. And that young man said, I'm 22 years old. I've got right with God. Hey, you can come back. He's the God of second and third and fourth and fifth chances and so on. Somebody help me right there. He said, I've got right with God. I know I'm forgiven. But while I'm standing in this church tonight at 22 years old, because of a one-night fling with a girl, I'm living with a disease in my body that's going to kill me before I'm 40 years old. Boy, isn't that sad? Isn't that tragic? Isn't that sickening? Isn't that awful? Isn't that a shame? You say, I don't believe that. Well, then what are you going to do with the book of 1 John where the Bible says there is a sin unto death. Sin will take you to a premature grave. Can I give you an example from my own life? I'm not proud of this. I'm ashamed of this. My grandfather was one of the biggest hypocrites that ever walked in shoe leather, preacher. I'm not proud of that. I, I tell you that with shame. I see people from back when I was a child and it's a wonder the way he carried on, preacher, that people speak to me. That's how that man carried on. I take no pride in telling you that he was the biggest hypocrite who ever walked in shoe leather. Boy, he'd show up to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, hoop, holler, shout, and go home, and he is mean as hell. I, I, I mean, hypocrite. I mean, if there was ever a perfect example of a hypocrite, it was my grandfather. We was, going, we was living in Hickory. We had moved away. mom had got a job, and we had moved down to Hickory for a while, preacher. And the little church we was going to, they didn't know nothing about him. But the pastor of that church was getting ready to ordain my grandfather a deacon. First strike was my grandfather had been married three times. And if you know anything about your Bible, that's you're not qualified to be a deacon. The second strike against him was my grandfather was the biggest hypocrite who ever lived, as far as, 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 far as I've known. I didn't have a good example at home, and I, and I say that with no pride. I say that with shame. I didn't have a good example at home. This is the truth. My grandfather was a picture. He had had a heart attack. But, but this was several years after that. He was a picture of health preacher. And the week before they was getting ready to have his ordination to make him a deacon of that little church, God took him like that. You can't convince me that there's not a sin and a death. I loved him. We had our share of problems. God knows he wasn't the best example. But I loved him. He was my grandfather. I loved him. You can't convince me that there's not a sin unto death. He was getting ready to bring reproach on that church. He was getting ready to bring bring reproach on the body of Christ. And God said, not today, mister. And God took him. There is a sin unto death. Sin will take you to a premature grave. But sure, you go ahead. You play the game. It's a game you won't win. You play the game, you'll lose You'll pay for it because sin will find you in your health. Everybody okay? Number four, I've got to hurry. May I say to you, number four, number four, sin will find you in your heritage. Listen to me, don't let me lose you. You remember Exodus chapter 20? Israel came out of bondage. They got sick of following the Lord very quickly. And they told Moses, look, we're done we're going back to Egypt, we're out of here, we're tired of following you, we're tired of following God, we're going back to the leeks and the garlics. And God said, Moses, you go down there and you tell that crowd, I said, that if they go back to Egypt and they go back to their pagan gods, I'm not only going to judge them, but I'm going to judge their children three and four generations to come. If you don't believe me, go home and read Exodus chapter 20. Verse 4 and 5. And I want to tell you, Daddy, something. We've been on daddies today. I want to tell you, Daddy, something. You better be real careful how how you live your life in front of them babies. I didn't have a good example at home, preacher. I I really didn't. The spiritual leader of our home supposed to be and was, was was a flunky. Thank God somebody came along and took interest in me and said, hey, it's not right to be a hypocrite. You ought to be what you are at home, what you are at church. Somebody help me right there. But you better be real careful what kind of example that you show them kids because I want to tell you what will happen. You might get by with it now, but wouldn't it be sad if the results of your sin showed up in the lives of your children? Let me give you something to think about. This will help you go to sleep tonight. Are you aware of the fact that if a child comes from a home with just one alcoholic parent, there's a 70% chance that that child will grow up to be an alcoholic? Are you aware of the fact that boys who see their fathers abuse their mothers are five times more likely to abuse their own spouse later on in life? So, what's your point? My point's this. I don't care what Dr. Spock says. I don't care what James Dobson says. I don't care what Hollywood says. I don't care what the liberal media says. Your children are imitators of what they see and what they hear. Your kids are like a sponge. And they absorb everything you see. They absorb everything they see. And everything that you do, they're absorbing that. They're recording it like a tape recorder. So you better be real careful what you let them see and hear. Exactly. Let me ask you a question, mom and daddy. Isn't it bad enough to mess up your life and ruin your testimony? But how would you like to live knowing that your children didn't turn out because you didn't show them how to turn out? Yeah. How would you like to live on and live with it on you, daddy? Yeah. Come on. That your son or your daughter died and went to hell yeah. Yeah. because of your influence. Yeah. Now don't let me lose you here, but I believe this Bible teaches that you will be held accountable not only for your actions, but you'll also be held accountable for your influence. Somebody say amen right there. I say to you, sin will find you in your heritage. Number five, real quickly, i got to hurry. Let me say sin. Sin will find you in humiliation. Luke chapter 12, Jesus was talking to a bunch of hypocrites. And he said, let me tell you hypocrites something. He said, there's nothing covered that won't be uncovered. And there's, it's Jesus talking, by the way. And there's nothing hidden that I'm not going to make known. Now watch this, it's Jesus talking. He said, what sin you do in the darkness, one day I'm going to let it come to the light. Jesus said, you try to hide your sin and I'm going to shout it from the housetop. And now, what your Bible says? Jesus is saying, go ahead, cover it up. You go ahead, you hide your sin. But one day I'm going to expose you for who you really are. Yep. I, I hate to give another illustration, preacher. I'm trying to hurry, I promise, but i would never forget this. I, I heard a preacher, he's talked about going and he, he got his start in the nursing home ministry. And, and there was an old man who met him every every Sunday afternoon at the front door. And then preacher boys would come in and he, and he, he had his big uh, family Bible in his lap. And and, he's, and and they'd come in to preach and, he, and he'd start, Boy, I can't wait to hear you preach, fellas. Woo! Glory to God! Preach it, boys! And man, the whole time they'd preach, man, that old man in that wheelchair, he'd shout the house down. You're the next Billy Sunday, fellas. Glory to God! Woo! Preach on, son! I'm talking about sin finding you humiliated. One day they went into the nursing home and he wasn't there to meet them. So they went on, they had their service, they went to the nurse's desk, they thought the old man was sick. And they and the uh, preachers went in and they said, where's old man so and so, is he sick? We'd like to pray with him before he leave. we will leave. And she said, oh I'm sorry, he passed away this morning. And they started shouting, they said, glory to God, he's in a better place, he's not in a wheelchair anymore. And the nurse said, well before you get into all that fellas, let me take you down here and show you something. So they took him down, down to the hall to the old man's room. And they, she, she unlocked his closet and opened his closet. And inside the closet, preacher, was two black footlockers. And she reached down with her foot and kicked the first footlocker open. And it was full of necklaces and rings and watches. And, and, and they said, no wait a minute. The old man that we knew didn't have nothing. I, I mean, the state paid his way here. I mean, he didn't have nothing. What, what is all this? And she said, well, every time somebody would die that old man would roll up to their room and say, well, I'm just going to sit here and pray until the family gets here. And, and they trusted him, Benny. Harmless old man in a wheelchair, you'd think. And, he, and, he, and he'd roll into the room, and while he was in there praying, he'd rob them blind, steal everything they had. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, that nurse reached down with her, with her other foot and kicked that other footlocker open. And inside that leather footlocker preacher was some of the nastiest, filthiest pornography you've ever seen in your life. You don't think God won't expose you for what you are someday? You know that thing that just you and he knows about? One day it'll come to the light, sir. One day God will reveal you for what you are. And you mean to tell me that you're not going to be humiliated when God reveals you for what you are? I wonder (coughs) if we were to pull down a movie screen here tonight and show where you failed God just this week. You'd probably crawl out of this building like a dog on your belly and you'd never be seen again. Hey, I don't want you to know what I've done just this week. Furthermore, than that, preacher, I'm more ashamed of what I ain't done this week because sin will find you in humiliation. Number six, and I'm finished. The last place that sin's going to find you is in hell. Here's the worst part about sin. Here's the sad, most sad, tragic part about sin. Sin's not only going to ruin your life. But dear sir, sin will ruin your afterlife. If sin only hurt you, if sin only hindered you, if sin only humiliated you, we wouldn't have to preach on it like we do, do would would we preacher? We could get on to the positive things. If sin only affected you in this life, right now, in the present... We wouldn't have to preach on sin near what we do now, would we? But here's the reality of sin. Sin will eventually take you so far that you're going to end up in hell. Sin will rock you to sleep spiritually. And when you wake up in hell, you're going to realize, my God, what have I done? You've wasted your life You've let sin rock you to sleep. You've rejected the gospel. You've played in your sin. And I'm so sorry, sir. But two seconds in hell, there's nothing I can do for you. There's nothing the preacher can do for you. It's too late. There's no second chance in hell, sir. After you die without God, there's no back door to hell. There's no escape route in hell. When you wake up in hell, friend, you will be in hell forever. It's final. And I'm so sorry. Have you ever thought about... I, I talk about Ahab and Jezebel. I call them Bill and Hillary. Don't let me lose you. In case in case there's a Democrat in the crowd. Have you ever thought about how Jezebel died, preacher? Now think about this. You know, was it Jay Hugh? Am I saying that right, Terry? Jay Hugh came riding to town and... She was up in the tower painting her face with her eunuchs. And Jehu hollered up to the window and he said, Who's on the Lord's side? And a couple of eunuchs stuck their head out the window. And Jehu said, Throw her down. And they threw her down. And the Bible says that the dogs ate her flesh. And all they found was her skull and the palms of her hands. Now think about this. Don't let me lose you. They threw her out the window of her palace. That was her home. And the dogs came and they ate her flesh. You reckon them dogs ever ate the scraps from Jezebel's table, preacher? Here's the point I'm trying to make. The very thing that Ahab and Jezebel was feeding into, the very thing that Jezebel was feeding was now feeding on her. I said all that to say this, the thing that you're feeding on now the thing that you're enjoying now is one day going to come back and it's going to feast on you I say to you sin will find you in hell that thing you're playing with that thing you enjoy just hang on it ain't going to be fun for too much longer And, and the end result ladies and gentlemen is sin will take you to hell isn't that sad? If hell was only for a hundred years preacher we wouldn't have to preach on it near as much as we do. If, sin was, if, if hell was only for a thousand years we, we wouldn't have to preach on it near what we do because you'd have a chance of getting out. But I just want to remind you that when you go to hell hell is forever and ever and ever. Let's stand with our heads bowed. So I just want to ask you a question. Where are you going to be when your sin finds you? I heard it put like this, preacher, and I like it. I heard a preacher say one time, he says, if you confess your sin, God will cover it. But if you try to cover it, God will confess it. Sin is too dangerous to play with, ladies and gentlemen. I just wonder, is there anybody here who would be honest enough to come forward and say, Lord, I don't want sin to ruin my life. You say, but preacher, I can't come forward in an invitation like this. People will think I'm wicked. Can I help you right there? Hey, listen to me. We're all wicked. We're all ungodly. We're all flesh. Outside of the grace of God, you ain't worth a penny. We're all flesh, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe you need to come tonight for somebody that you knows in sin. Maybe you need to come on behalf of, of the need of another. And you know that they're in sin. And their sin's getting ready to find them. Maybe you need to come and beg God to have mercy on them. And give them one more opportunity to get right with Him. Because their sin is getting ready to find them out, ladies and gentlemen. Right now, at this very moment, listen to me, at this very moment, their sin is hunting them down like a bloodhound, like your sin is hunting you down like a bloodhound. And it's getting ready to find you. It's getting ready to find them. And when your sin finds you, sir, you're not going to like where it finds you. Sin always has consequences. Father, Father, Thank you for your word. Thank you for your help tonight, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, for these, my friends, these people that I love that are on these altars. God, I pray, Lord, that you would work in every situation, Lord, meet every need that's brought to this altar tonight. Lord, let us never forget, Lord, that sin has consequences. That sin's nothing to play with. Lord, help us to be more than we've ever been. Help us to do better than we've ever done. In Jesus' name, amen. You stay as long as you need to, folks.